Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Richard! Richard! Oh, are we on? Welcome to the Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. I don't care if Monday's blue. Tuesday's gray and Wednesday's two. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday. I'm in love. Monday, you can fall apart. Tuesday, Wednesday, break my heart. Oh, Thursday doesn't even start. It's Friday. I'm in love. I should get Lou to sing that. Do you know that song, Jody? The Cure? You don't know that song from The Cure? Listen, I, I'm not even an, a fan of 80s music. Probably the worst decade for me, musically speaking, but I love that one. That's the cure. No, I'm just getting a, a glazed look. No, shaking her head. Never heard of the cure. All right. Um, the cure. No, it's not the cure. I'm the cure. I'm the cure. This program is the cure. What's the disease? Well, political correctness, critical race theory, groupthink, radical progressive ideology, uh, intersectionality, climate change alarmism, indoctrination in our public schools. That's the disease. And this is the cure. All right. If you're new to the program, hey, welcome. To, uh, today is the 32nd anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre, which saw the communist Chinese government and communist parties violent crackdown against protesters. It's also known as the June 4th incident in China, where student led demonstrations held in Tiananmen Square, Beijing, uh, during 1989. And uh, it's what is known as the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Troops with assault rifles and uh, accompanied by tanks fired at the demonstrators and those trying to block the military's advance into Tiananmen Square. And uh, the protests started actually in April, April 15th, and then were forcibly suppressed on this date back in 1989 uh, when the government declared martial law and sent the People's Liberation Army to occupy parts of central Beijing. It's just uh, we have memories, of course, of that iconic image of that one protester waving a flag in front of a tank. And uh, estimates of the death toll vary from several hundred to several thousand with thousands more wounded. Meanwhile, communist China has banned a vigil commemorating the anniversary of the massacre in Hong Kong uh, amid growing concern in the uh, pro-democracy movement and internationally about the suppression happening in that semi-autonomous city of Hong Kong. Their traditional freedoms, notably 
there was that national security law that was imposed by Beijing last year. And I'll speak with someone uh, who goes by the name of Harry, only Harry, no last names. He's with Alliance Canada HK, HK for Hong Kong, of course, representing Hong Kong Canadians. He only gives his uh, first name because the long arm of the CCP reaches all the way into uh, Canada. That's right. Fake China spies on Chinese Canadians, intimidates and threatens them. So we'll talk about that with Harry Anonymous from Alliance Canada HK. Uh, yesterday, I was talking about the uh, the nonsense surrounding uh, all of these variants, and they've now given them uh, Greek uh, names after the uh, letters in the Greek alphabet. It's all very confusing by design, I might add, and uh, and how I feared that the uh, the clown posse, the uh, clown posse up in Queens Park, would use these variants as an excuse to further extend lockdowns. Uh, Belinda Carey Halios, new Blue Party of Ontario MPP, will be here to discuss how the Ford government keeps moving the goalposts. She stood at uh, in the legislature a couple of days ago and asked the health minister, Christine Elliott, for some clarity on exactly, you know, what it's going to take for them to fully reopen. And of course, as you can imagine, she got a uh, scripted non-answer. So Belinda Carey-Halios will join us a little bit later this hour. How much trouble could uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci be in after all of those emails were made public recently? It's not looking good for him. Is he open to criminal prosecution? Larry Clayman. He's been with us a number of times. He's the founder of Judicial Watch and Freedom Watch. Uh, he'll, be, he'll, he'll be here to discuss uh, an indictment of America's favorite bureaucrat, although I'd say the bloom is pretty much off the rose. He's actually, I, I believe, launched a, um, a, a grand jury, an indictment of Anthony Fauci. Uh, it's Friday. Hey, that means a visit from the Lim Riddler with this week's Lim Riddle Clues. So be sure to be listening just before the news at the top of the hour, just before five o'clock. Uh, the Lim Riddler will join us and he'll uh, deliver this week's clues. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't participated before, be sure to be listening. And then after the clues, be listening again before the news at six when I reveal the answer to this week's Lim Riddle and, of course, the list of this week's winners. You get bragging rights. No prizes yet. We're working on it. A month, uh, maybe a month and a half ago, I spoke with journalist Kenny Shu, author of An Inconvenient Minority. Kevin's a Chinese-American investigating racist admission requirements at liberal Ivy League colleges in the United States that aim to exclude Asian-Americans. And uh, the other day, Kenny just launched... Uh, a new project called Color Us United, Advocates for a Race-Blind America. And Kenny will join me in the second hour to discuss this project, which is a much-needed antidote to Black Lives Matter's uh, nihilistic critical race theory. So there you go. That's, uh, that's a pretty good show, wouldn't you say, Lou? You know, Richard, you know, you're advising people to listen for the Limb Riddler at five and then at six, I recommend listen to the whole show. That's true. That's you know, true. Go from four to six. You know, That's just right. Stick with us. Exactly. You know, don't, don't just come in for bits. Come in for the whole thing because it's one big bit. 
<laughs> That's it. In for a penny, in for a pound, the whole nine yards. Yada, yada. Friday, Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We never close. That's it. I opened the show with a little uh, some the lyrics from The Cure. Are you familiar with that song? Not really. No, not your decade. Mine either. Yeah. Um, it's cute, though. I mean, I, I sing occasionally. Can you hum a few bars? You wouldn't want that. You want the station <laughs> to lose on. its license? Come on. There's no threat of that. You know, you wouldn't be the first poor singer on the air. Oh, man. Uh, no, singing and dancing, not my forte. I was, oh. And when it comes to dancing, I like to say I was born with three left feet. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's not pretty. When at my wedding, our first dance, I looked like Frankenstein's monster up there. It was I, I, you just painted a visual picture. I'll never forget. You're scarred for life, my friend. You're scarred for life. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's Friday. You know, we're going to get to a weekend anyway. So, uh, you know, we have to move through the agenda. Do you have a German uh, phrase of the day, Richard, that you're going I to do. share with us? I do. I do. Just all in due time, my friend. Oh, but I wanted but to very this time, but not well, this in, time. in about a minute. But I wanted to ask you, you sent me a very interesting story. Yes. This is this. Uh, it was an Italian artist who created. Listen to this, Jody. This is crazy. He, he created an invisible sculpture. Right. And and. What is it going for, Lou? People are actually bidding for this thing? Yeah, I, I saw a bid at $18,000 for the invisible sculpture. Right. Now, is a certificate, it... though. Oh, okay. Well, that changes everything. Authentication, right? And what is the invisible sculpture of? Do we know? No, I don't know what the invisible, because I can't see it. But somebody <laughs> bought it on good faith. You know, it's like the non-fungible tokens, right? There's only right. one invisible sculpture to date. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So maybe the value will go up. <laughs> man, oh man! Someone actually bid eighteen thousand dollars. Now, would, will will that be paid for in invisible dollars? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would release it unless I had cold hard cash in my hand. There you but, go. You know, it reminds me of a quote from the book "Fools Die" by uh, Mario Puzo. Yes. In that book, uh, he exclaimed. The artist is the ultimate thief. The artist is the ultimate thief. Wow. All right. I remember once down at uh, Dundas Square, I bought a Rolex off the street and it turned out to be a knockoff, uh, which was fine because I paid for it in counterfeit dollars. So it all evens out in the end, you see. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yours is the bigger crime, my friend. Where did you get those <laughs> counterfeit dollars? <laughs> That's for another show. Another time. <laughs> I got them from Parker's Brothers. <laughs> it came with my Monopoly set. How's that? Um, okay. Well, that's, uh, you know, it's not like you were, uh, you know, printing up uh, copies of Her Majesty. No, no, no. Right? It was Monopoly money. And locally, right. uh, and luckily, the uh, the vendor of the knockoff watch was visibly impaired. So <laughs> no one was the wiser. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, German phrase of the day. Oh, oh, who's barking out orders? Look at this. Achtung, oh. <laughs> achtung. Here we go. Oh, I got a good one for you, Lou. A good one. Here we go. The German phrase of the day is Ich glaub mich kust in Elsch. Ich glaub mich kust in Elsch with an exclamation point. So that's, that's a mouthful, right? It there. is, it is. So when Germans are in an absurd situation, much like we're undergoing right now, 
when they're in an absurd situation and they say, I can't believe what's happening. They say, ich glaub mich kust am Alsch. It means, I think I'm being kissed by a moose. <laughs> you know, they got those real kind of rubbery lips. So, yeah, just don't give them the tongue. That's all I got. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know they had moose in Germany. How would they uh, know from moose? Well, they would, I guess they would call it an elk, right? Probably, yes. Elsh. Yeah, elk, sounds like, elk. yeah. Yeah, I think that's where they're going with it. But not being Teutonic myself, I have to trust your interpretation and translation. Thank you for trusting me. All right, do you want to buy a watch? No, not today, thanks. I stopped wearing them a long time ago. All right, all right. Uh, when we come back, a little fact check this. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. How do we determine what is true, what is false, and what is misleading? Fact check this. Hey, welcome back. So not a big fan of uh, Australia, love Australians, love the country, not a big fan of what's happening with their government vis-a-vis -vis, uh, rather tyrannical uh, lockdown measures, similar to here. Not a fan of our government either, but uh, I love the province, love the people. What I'm saying is, uh, you know, I can I can compartmentalize, I can separate the two. But I am a fan of this particular uh, Aussie broadcaster with uh, Sky TV over there. And uh, this takedown of that brat, Greta Thunberg. Have a listen to this. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? To all the school kids going on strike for climate change, you're the first generation who've required air conditioning in every classroom. You want TV in every room, and your classes are all computerized. You spend all day and night on electronic devices. More than ever, you don't walk or ride bikes to school, but you arrive in caravans of private cars that choke suburban roads and worsen rush hour traffic. You're the biggest consumers of manufactured goods ever and update perfectly good, expensive luxury items to stay trendy. Your entertainment comes from electric devices. Furthermore, the people driving your protests are the same people who insist on actually inflating the population growth through immigration which increases the need for energy, manufacturing and transport. The more people we have, the more forest and bushland we clear. The more of the environment that's destroyed. How about this? Tell your teachers to switch off the aircon. Walk or ride to school. Switch off your devices and read a book. Make a sandwich instead of buying manufactured fast food. No, none of this will happen because, the piece says, you're selfish badly educated, virtue-signalling little turds, inspired by the adults around you who crave a feeling of having a noble cause while they indulge themselves in Western luxury and unprecedented quality of life. Wake up, grow up and shut up. Wake up, grow up and shut up. 
Wake up, grow up, and shut up. There, there's a mantra for you. Wake up, grow up, and shut up. I like that. Put that on a T-shirt. And uh, that's that's so true, right? Instead of uh, you know demanding that you have air conditioning in every classroom and computers and the latest devices, why don't you try making a sandwich, Greta? Make a sandwich. Make me one while you're at it. All right. Now, uh, in anticipation of my conversation a little bit later in the show with Kenny Shu, who is uh, behind this new initiative called Color Us United, uh, kind of an antidote to Black Lives Matter's uh, nihilistic critical race theory. Uh, a young African-American father uh, appeared in a, vi a viral video with his daughter, uh, basically criticizing and I think quite effectively uh, dismantling critical race theory. It's a delightful video. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, here it is. Daddy teaches you you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if, if you're black or white or any color. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, yellow. yellow. Right? Black. And, and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See? This is, how, this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not going to happen. My baby's going to know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard and she can become that. Work hard even though you don't know anyone. You can make friends. <laughs> Yeah, you can make friends, no matter what color they are. So we need to stop CRT, period, point blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people, they love them. We pray for people that are hurt. Daddy teaches you. Oh, there you go. That was delightful. I don't know if you've had a chance to see that, but uh, such a cute little girl and uh, an important message. All right, so uh, it would appear, at least to me, Doug Ford has no real plans uh, to have us return to normal. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be hearing from Belinda Carey Helios from the New Blue Party here in just a moment. But I wanted uh, you to hear, she stood up in the Queens Park Legislature uh, day before yesterday, I believe, and uh, put this question to Health Minister Kath, uh, Christine Elliott. Have a listen. Speaker, with this government, the goalposts are always moving. In January 2021, we were told life would get back to normal with 1,000 positive cases per day. By May, we heard it was 500 to 600 cases. Now, apparently, case rate has nothing to do with it. As the minister just said, it's about vaccine rates. But the fine print of the government's plan, as she, again she said, also says, plus key health indicators. This vagueness is not a plan. And coupled with the extension of emergency orders until December, it suggests they have no plan to reopen our province. Can the Premier please publicly disclose to Ontarians what is meant by these plus key health indicators, part of the plan, that is in addition to vaccine rates, rates we want exact numbers. This is a limited reopening plan. What is it dependent on? Minister of Health. Thank you. Well, the road to reopen is very clear with three stages that we will need to move through very carefully in order to be able to reopen the province. We've seen what's happened with the variants of concern that are still out there, that we need to move very, very carefully through this to slowly, gradually reopen the province. But as the member would see from stage three, that we are going to then be opening the last areas that haven't been opened for a very long time, things like uh, closed-in cinemas, concerts, all 
all of those other areas that will be met and will be available based on these achievable targets that have been clear, very clearly disclosed to the people of Ontario. In addition to the vaccination rates, there's the hospitalization rates, the ICU factors, the public health rates, the R factor. All of those have been very, very clearly discussed with the people of Ontario. And as I indicated earlier, these are realistic and achievable targets. The people of Ontario Response. are helping very much with having receiving the vaccinations. We've been able to accelerate the second doses, and we are confident that we'll be able to hit these milestones and be able to open Ontario back up. There you go. There's our answer. Clear as mud, right? All right. Belinda Carey Halios, MPP Cambridge for the New Blue Party of Ontario joins us next to discuss. Stay with us. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. I don't know about you, but I have this sinking feeling that uh, Doug Ford and his minions have no plans to have us to uh, return to normal. Uh, Belinda Carey-Halios, I'm guessing, may have the same impression. She uh, stood up in the uh, legislature the day before yesterday and asked a question to the health minister and got the typical scripted non-answer. She joins us now, the MPP from Cambridge and New Blue Party of Ontario co-founder, Belinda, welcome. How are you? Hi, Richard. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. Under the circumstances. <laughs> so um, I played uh, your question a little bit earlier, but just kind of um, uh, revisit it with us. What did you ask Kath, uh, Christine Elliott specifically? So essentially a couple of weeks ago before the May 2-4 long weekend, uh, the same day that I was supposed to come on and speak with you, actually, the government did two things. So they placed debate to extend their emergency powers under Bill 195, the Reopening Ontario Act, until December. So for another seven months, six, seven months. Uh, and then they also tabled this roadmap to reopen. And so I took a look at this. And not only is there no actual plan to fully reopen our province, but they've tied our um, opening to vaccination rates, just like Justin Trudeau and Dr. Theresa Tam. So I asked her specifically, if 80% of Ontario, Ontarians receiving a vaccine is not enough for a return to normal, then what is? Is it a 100%? And as per typical um, PC government fashion, uh, there was no response to that. Right, because if I'm remembering correctly, they not only mention vaccination rates, but then they also go on to say, and other health matters or, I don't know, health metrics or something. I'm not sure exactly what the language was, but um, you asked her about those, you know, for some clarification on those as well. Did you not? Yes. So I asked about the plus key health indicators because that's added into that roadmap. And you'll notice in the roadmap for each step, because there's three steps, every aspect has capacity limits, restriction limits. There's They continue using that language. And I, I call out the... Um, Kind of, I don't want to use the word hypocrisy, but the goalposts are always moving. So back in January of this year, we were told life could get back to normal with 1,000 positive cases per day. By May, we heard it was between 500 and 600 cases. Now, case rate has nothing to do with it. Now, they're, now the minister is saying vaccine rates. But then going back to that fine print, that plus key health indicators, she starts mentioning R rates and, and ICU factors and hospitalization rates and public health rates. But again... What are the exact numbers? And I'm asking her, what are these exact numbers? Because this seems like a very limited reopening plan. What is dependent on? Uh, and again, there was no, there's nothing to, to that. She's not responding in terms of hard numbers. What do we need to look forward to in order to get our lives back to normal? 
Right. She also mentioned something about uh, the, uh, you know, the R, the R factor, which is, I guess, the infection rate. And, and then she said, well, and we've been very clear with the public about this. How many of us are walking around with, you know, a calculator and, and looking at graphs and charts and trying to figure out the R factor and ICU rates and all of this? It's just nonsense. It's nonsense and it's ever changing. So, um, you know, you ask any average Ontarian, even the ones who are playing, paying very, very close attention to this, uh, no one knows from one day to the next what, what, what it takes for us to reopen our province. And the fact that they're not now tying vaccination rates. So they've taken away uh, our freedoms, our freedom to, to worship, our freedom to open our businesses, to gather with family. And now they're saying, well, you can have that back. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Only if you do this. And a lot of people are taking issue with this, and I'm one of them. Like This is completely inappropriate for any government to be doing, especially right. in Canada. Yeah, right. It's the textbook definition of coercion. We will give you your freedom back uh, as if they were the ones that gave it to us. We'll give it to you back if you do this, which is take... Uh, the inoculation that is that's coercion, plain and simple. Yes. And coercion is not consent. I think people need to be aware of that. Coercion is not consent. All right, uh, Belinda, stand uh, by. We'll uh, we'll come back and talk some more. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, probably revisit that question uh, when we come back out of the break. I'll play that for people. They can listen. I think it's the second part of your question, your follow up, uh, your question to Health Minister Christine Elliott uh, the day before yesterday at Queen's Park. Belinda Carey Halios, MPP for Cambridge and co-founder of the new New Party of Ontario. Back with more of our discussion right after this. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. Hey, Richard Serrett here, along with the wilderness doc, Cass Ingram. I keep hearing about how black seed oil is good for so many things, Cass. Tell me more. It's huge for the heart and also the digestion and elimination, plus the skin. It was Nefertiti's beauty secret. So then if you have skin conditions, use the black seed oil topically and internally. And for your heart, lungs, kidneys, digestive system, wonderful capsules are available with fennel and cumin. Check your local health food store or the oil. Just take a teaspoon every day. This is a safe thing to take daily so you don't get sick so you keep your heart good and you stay strong in your digestive tract skin renal support and more freshly cold pressed black seed oil from north american urban spice available at fine health food stores across the gta order online at oregano.com that's o-r-e-g-a-n-o-l 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 cold pressed black seed oil from oregano.com 
Speaker, good morning. My question is for the Premier. A couple of weeks ago, before the long weekend, the government unveiled a roadmap to reopening, which actually contained no indication of when life would get back to normal or fully reopen. And at the same time of the press conference, the government began debate to extend emergency powers under Bill 195, the Reopening Ontario Act, until December. In the plan, they have followed with the approach of Justin Trudeau and Dr. Theresa Tam, linking vaccine rates to a limited return to some everyday activities, but have not indicated how many Ontarians receiving a vaccine it will take to allow for life to return to normal, if they ever plan to let life return to normal. If 80% of Ontarians receiving a vaccine is not enough for a return to normal under this plan, what is the number? Is it 100%? And to respond, the Minister of Health. Thank you, Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. Well, the roadmap to reopen is uh, based on uh, vaccination rates, of course. To uh, get into stage two of one, we need to reach 60% of all adults over 18 being having been vaccinated, which has already happened. We're at at least at 67% as of things stand now, with over 9.2 million vaccines already have been administered. But there's also some public health indicators that also need to be uh, in terms of the number of new cases. Today, we are down to 699 cases, which is a huge improvement. There still is a ways to go, but it's also based on number of people being uh, admitted to our intensive care units, the, uh, the R factor, the public health ability to recover. But these are realistic uh, indications and numbers based on what our medical uh, experts have advised us and what the modeling has shown us. So we are gradually and carefully reopening. Response? because the last thing we want to go into is a fourth wave. But we have been advised that the levels that we have suggested for the roadmap to reopen is realistic and achievable. All right, there you go. Health Minister Christine Elliott responding to MPP Belinda Karahalios' question. Belinda, my concern, and I know you share this, is uh, they're looking for any excuse to, to, to drag this uh, lockdown on. And... Um, what do you think, though, is is behind this? So why are they doing this to us? Why are they subjecting us to this? So my first answer to that is always polling. So we've seen that it, this government seems to uh, govern on polls and popularity and less on on science, like real science, not just the science they choose to follow. Uh, we know we know it's been 15, 16 months who is negatively affected by those from this virus. It's people over a certain age group, it's people with comorbidities, people who are not getting enough physical exercise. And yet we see um, we're in our third lockdown. We're finally hopefully finishing one up. She mentions a fourth wave in her response. Um, We have businesses who have been shuttered for almost cumulatively a year in some places in, in the province. And, you know, gyms are still closed, which makes absolutely no sense. Like everything they have done um, has been based on polls and popularity. And she talks about in her response, you know, we've been carefully advised by medical experts. Uh, The same medical experts actually said that kids should be returning to class, that physical outdoor activities are important. And yet we saw uh, schools are not being reopened for the rest of the school year. We saw a pushback with outdoor activities. It was, you know, golf and other things just opened up. I think it was last week. So nothing is making sense. Uh, And it seems like the more that I question them um, on these things, asking for science, asking for proof, 
they just can't come out with the real answers. It's all the same canned responses. So when you say they're responding to polls and that's what's behind this, that would suggest something very disturbing to me. And that is that the, the, the majority of Ontarians are fine with what they're doing. Is that what you're saying? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Well, I mean, you got to look at like these polls are doing like 2000 people, right? And it's, you know, how do you think Doug Ford is doing? And at one point last year, he was doing very well in, on these polls. And so to, he kept pushing forward with, we got to keep locking down harsher restrictions. We have the harshest restrictions in all of North America. For goodness sake, even British Columbia, NDP government, they didn't mask their children to the age of 12 years of age. But we have mask mandates for two-year-olds in this province with a conservative government. The other thing that uh, I'm, I'm concerned about is and you stood up in the House and, and, and opposed, you know, the extension of their emergency powers. But, uh, you know, if we're supposed to be entering phase three very soon of this reopening, why the need to extend their powers to December? It's like they know something that we don't know that, uh, you know, maybe they've got a, they're not playing their hand entirely here. It's, it does seem very much like that. Like they're, they're keeping, they're keeping it just in case, you know, just in case they need to do something else. But at this point, you know, they, they, uh, the premier yesterday in question period talked about variants of concern. Um, You know, viruses, they mutate, they evolve. That's what they do. This is not news. This is not new. Uh, and, you know, there are studies saying that children are not severely affected by this virus. Again, that if the ones who are going to be severely affected are getting the vaccinations, and we have, my understanding, good numbers for full vaccination rates for those in those age groups, there is no reason why this province should not be open. No reason at all. Belinda, well, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. MPP Belinda Carajalios for the writing of Cambridge representing the new Blue Party of Ontario. All right. When we come back, what type of legal liability has Anthony Fauci's emails got the media's favorite doctor into? That story is coming up in about three minutes. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk Saga 960 AM. About 800 pages of Dr. Anthony Fauci's emails were released a couple days ago with more to come by all accounts. But what's contained in those emails might be uh, of some concern for Mr. Fauci or Dr. Fauci, because according to one legal analyst, uh, they could land him in some legal hot water. The founder of Judicial Watch, current founder of Freedom Watch, and the author of It Takes a Revolution, Forget the Scandal Industry, 
Larry Clayman joins us once again. Hey, Larry, how are you? Very good, Richard. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's my honor. So let's talk about the Fauci emails. What type of legal liability do you see uh, he, he may be uh, into here after these uh, leaks? Well, as I write about in It Takes a Revolution, we have the right to convene our own grand juries, to indict, to try, to convict a sentence, and even to beat out sentences peacefully and legally, citizens' arrests. We have indicted Fauci, and it's ongoing. You can see it at freedomwatchusa.org. I also have a class action in Dallas, Texas. I'll be amending that. It's against the communist Chinese for the damage they've done, the huge damage. And he's privy to that. I mean, if you think Derek Chauvin is responsible for negligent homicide, he was an amateur compared to Fauci. Fauci, as our client Mikovits, Judy Mikovits has testified to, sent the seeds of COVID-19 over to that Wuhan lab. And then Biden and Obama gave them almost $4 million to do gain-of-function research. This clearly is a bioweapon. That's what they do in that lab. The United States does it at Fort Detrick. And my client, Judy Mikovits, worked with Fauci. She knows where the bodies are buried. And we've been saying this for over a year, and the government has covered it up. The deep state, even during the Trump administration, covered it up. And Fauci is responsible for the death of, of millions of people throughout the world because he hasn't come clean on this or anything else. And he's got a financial interest in these vaccines. And, and that's in large part what it's about. The vaccines, by the way, are also dangerous. Tell me about this grand jury. How will this work? Justice Scalia in 1992, in a majority opinion, United States versus Williams, ruled that the grand jury belongs to the American people, not to the three branches of government. Before we had a Justice Department, which you know began on July 1st, 1870, the American people, like in the Old West, would mete out justice themselves. So we've convened grand jurors, people who are neutral, who assess evidence that we put before it. And it doesn't even need to be evidence in a grand jury. It needs need just to be a suspicion. And we're obtaining indictments. We've indicted Biden, Joe Biden, Hunter, and uh, James Biden for the massive bribery schemes from communist China, Russia, and Ukraine. Uh, we have indicted Robert Mueller, and now we are indicting Fauci. And we're going to get him back to Comey. We're going to get back to everybody that our corrupt government and our corrupt legal system would not uh, in any way take any legal action against and, and that's why, Richard, I want to invite you to our Third Continental Congress in Philadelphia on July 5th and July 6th at Independence Hall, where we're going to discuss whether we need to declare independence again and what we need to do to close the loopholes in our Constitution, which are allowing for this tyranny, which has destroyed this country. And, and a total leftist takeover as a result of election, election irregularities and fraud. We need an electoral system that actually is based on honesty and integrity, many other things. Let me just get back to Fauci for one minute. Yeah. I don't know to what extent you've had a chance to comb through some 800 pages of Fauci's emails, and apparently there are more on the way. But have you seen anything in those emails that would be, let's say, material evidence in a grand jury case? Well, I haven't had a chance to comb through carefully. I know what's come out, what's been publicized. I'm going to. But beyond that, the facts speak for themselves. I've got eyewitness testimony from Dr. Judy Mukovitz of his complicity in what went on in that Wuhan lab. 
And that's very, very strong. But in terms of the misinformation that he's been providing to the American people, that's because, you know, he has a, a financial and otherwise career interest in feathering the nest of Big Pharma, creating panic to get people to get vaccinated, uh, telling them things, you know, one day and then changing the next day. Uh, because, you know, when you lie, it's hard to keep things straight. In terms of this case against the communist Chinese regime, would this be a civil suit? And what court would hear such a case? Yeah, it is a civil suit. I mean, we have our, uh, the criminal grand jury is criminal, but yes, it's a civil suit filed in federal court in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and the theory of the suit, which is not a theory, is that because this is a bioweapon, and we have three experts that will testify to that, that China is not immune, that they violated international convention and can be held accountable. So we've sued the Wuhan lab, the Chinese Politburo, uh, everyone over there. I also filed a criminal complaint in the Hague Holland against the Chinese, the communist Chinese. And uh, But I think the real teeth here is going to be uh, the citizen's grand jury with regard to Fauci and my adding him to this case in Dallas as a co-conspirator with the Chinese in terms of the massive damage that's been done to the American people. And of course, it's been done to the rest of the world, too. And we have a case, similar case, in Jerusalem, Israel, with regard to the damage done to the Israelis. How do you put a price tag on damages? What would you seek? Well, be in the multi-trillions of dollars. And uh, that's something that the jury can basically, you know, pull out of a hat. But yeah, there are experts that can testify to the economic damage, to the damage in terms of our health and also our emotional well-being. That's where the jury can come up to its own conclusions. But it can be massive. And here's the thing. China has trillions of dollars of assets invested, you know, in the United States. These, these assets can be attached uh, they can be seized. So, you know, if we have an honest judge that lets this go to a jury, I think we have an excellent chance of winning. Tell us about It Takes a Revolution, Forget the Scandal Industry. What's it about? How do we get it? Well, thank you. It, you know, I, w- I suggest peaceful and legal means to wage the revolution. Again, the Citizens Third Continental Congresses, uh, you can get it at freedomwatchusa.org with a contribution of $50 or more that helps us do our work or you can get it at Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. And, you know, I wrote it before the election because there was no political messiah. As much as I support President Trump, the American people have to rise up and do it for themselves. The country's been taken over by the radical left. You know, and ask yourself this question. Who was who worse? King George III back in 1776, who was not a socialist, who was not a communist, who was not an atheist, who was not a radical of these other groups, or Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who are now the stooges of the radical left and in less than five months have destroyed this country. Larry, thank you as always. God bless, Richard. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Larry Clayman, founder of Judicial Watch and currently founder of Freedom Watch, the author of It Takes a Revolution, Forget the Scandal Industry. First we filled your mind. Let's twist it. This is The Limb Riddler. All right, Friday, that means it's time to let our hair down, relax a little, have a little fun, play with some words. Here once again, our old friend, The Limb Riddler. How are you, Limb Riddler? I'm doing well, Richard. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. All right, so how do we... uh, um, how do we, well, let's, we've, I think we've defined how the limb riddle works, but uh, let's, let's get right to the clues. I'm just looking at the clock here. We should get the uh, clues in here. Sure, sure, will do. Um, I think everybody knows um, how it works. I'm going to read the limb riddle twice. Um, it's usually easier to solve if you can see it in front of you. So if you're not a subscriber to limb riddles, go to limbriddles.com now and you'll see it right on yeah, the homepage. And while you're there, subscribe. 
Today's limb riddle is entitled Sweeney Todd's Pies, and it goes like this. The Romans were first to inhabit the street where Sweeney Todd's pies source their sumptuous meat. King Philip had a forbidding armada. Grave Laura Secord was fast on her feet. So if you know the answer, get it into info at limriddles.com and put 960 in the subject line. Tell everybody you heard it here first. Oh, and there's an extra little twist to this one. If you can yes. identify five countries featured in today's Limriddle, you'll get special mention. Right, there's Probably at least five. At least five. You can be a little more creative too. All um, right. Shall I give this one more read? Yes, please. Okay, Sweeney Todd's Pies. The Romans were first to inhabit the street where Sweeney Todd's pies sourced their sumptuous meat. King Philip had a forbidding armada. Brave Laura Secord was fast on her feet. All right, again, go to limriddles.com to register. And if you know the answer, get it into info at limriddles.com. Put 960 in the subject line. That way we know you heard it on the radio. And then be listening just before the news at 6 when I reveal this week's answer and the uh, the list of this week's winners. Lim Riddler, you have a great weekend, my friend. You too, sir. Bye for now. All right. Solve this puzzle, The Lim Riddler, every Friday at 4.50 on The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960 AM. All right, hour two awaits. More Lou with news not in the news. We'll also speak with Harry Anonymous from Alliance Canada, Hong Kong, and uh, also Kenny Shu and his new venture, Color Us United. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show in about three minutes. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Hey, Richard! Hello, yes. Can I help you? Richard! The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, so a little bit later this hour, we're going to uh, take a look at the 32nd anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre which happened on this date back in 1989. And this was a, uh, a pro-democracy uprising, primarily students that started in Beijing uh, in mid-April and then lasted until uh, it was violently put down in Tiananmen Square by uh, police armed with machine guns, accompanied by tanks. And of course, we remember those of us old enough, uh, those iconic images of one particular uh, individual, a, a brave young man, protester holding a flag in front of a tank. Uh, he was uh, crushed by the tank. And uh, so as we commemorate the anniversary, they're attempting to do likewise in uh, the semi-autonomous city of Hong Kong. Uh, but that's not being allowed. And then we have uh, announcements from the Communist Party of China or fake China, as I like to call it, uh, basically uh, saying that they're laughing at everyone internationally who is commemorating this uh, solemn occasion. So we reached out to an organization here in Canada that represents uh, Hong Kong Canadians, if you will. And um, it's called the Alliance Canada HK, HK for Hong Kong. And we've reached a representative there who'll join us on the condition that we only use his first name, Harry, which of course we're, we're uh, totally fine with, but it's, it's, I think, noteworthy that this individual 
will only use his first name because of concerns for his personal safety. And why is that? Well, because of, as we are learning, the long arm of the Communist Party reaches over into Canada. Last week, we talked about uh, with uh, author Gordon Chang about this restaurant in Vancouver, a Chinese restaurant that has 60 surveillance cameras in it at the behest of the Communist Chinese Party, pointed at 30 tables as part of Communist China's social credit system. They want to make sure that the Chinese patrons, even though they're Canadians, the patrons in that restaurant are behaving themselves like good communists. This is uh, this is where we're at. So Harry Anonymous from Alliance Canada, Hong Kong, will be here to talk about Tiananmen Square massacre 32 years later. Also, what's happening in the semi-autonomous city state of Hong Kong and um, and how uh, Chinese Canadians are, are being threatened and intimidated and surveilled right here in Canada. Also, we'll speak with author, journalist Kenny Shu, the author of An Inconvenient Minority. He started uh, a wonderful new project called Color Us um, Unified. And um, it's kind of a uh, an antidote to Black Lives Matter uh, nihilistic critical race theory. All right, before all of that, not in the news. Hey, Lou, welcome back, my friend. I think you're on mute. Still, still, <laughs> I fought for freedom. <laughs> That's it. Sebastian was playing around with the buttons. That's right. He's my meat puppet. All right. So I wanted to play something for you before we uh, talk about other matters. I meant to play this the other day. I thought it was interesting. I found this on YouTube. Uh, since Dr. Fauci's in the news with his uh, emails being revealed publicly, going back to January 2017, this clip, and it's just about 10 days, a week and a half before the inauguration of President Donald J. Trump. And here is a rather ominous, sinister warning from Dr. Fauci. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. There will be a surprise outbreak. There will be a surprise outbreak. There you go. I sort of looped the last sentence there. There will be a surprise outbreak just for emphasis. What do you think of that? Well, you know, I, I think I've said many times in conversation with you, Richard, nothing happens internationally by accident. So, you know, it's kind of in the cards for me, right? Somebody is always doing something and then it's, oh, my God, what a surprise. Really? Not really. Right, right. You just bake it into the equation, in other words. I there's skullduggery it. here. Absolutely. Uh you know, in all, you know, like I said, we we talked a couple of days ago, the Reichstag fire, uh, the Bay of Tonkin resolution, the weapons of mass destruction. And, and that's just on our side. Right. 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 That was us yeah. doing that. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm kind of expecting it, you know, and, you know, I don't even want to get into the whole Kennedy assassination. Right. 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 So, you know, I mean, I'm kind of used to it in my generation. Right. It's like, wow. You know, every kind of uh, nonsense you could ever imagine in a James Bond novel happening right in front of you every day in the newspaper. So 
Do you think anything will come of these leaked? Well, they're not leaked emails. They were acquired through the Freedom of Information Act and then um, and then made public. Some of them were heavily redacted. These emails that came out from Dr. Fauci, his exchanges with other people, where first, you know, he's saying that masks don't work and he's talking about how hydroxychloroquine can be effective. And then in another one, he's talking about concern that um, people will suspect that this is a man-made virus. Do you think there'll be any retribution? Well, you know, that's a great question. I mean, who would lead that charge? Certainly not the current administration, right? You know, they benefited greatly uh, from the COVID scandal. So I think, you know, until the next election, you know, uh, it's a stand down posture. Oh, they'll be outraged. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of actual uh, change and uh, trials, investigations and so on, I don't expect it. Right. I just spoke with uh, Larry Clayman, who was the founder of Judicial Watch, and uh, he's convened. He says that the citizens of the United States actually have this power constitutionally. They can convene their own grand juries, and uh, he's done so, and he's indicted um, uh, Dr. Fauci. We'll see you know, if, if that gains any traction, but he's also taken out a civil suit against the CCP uh, that will probably seek damages in the tens of trillions of dollars on behalf of people around the world. And I guess this could be also filed at the uh, the Hague, the International Court in the Netherlands. Do you think China will ever be held to account? I doubt it. And, you know, anybody uh, that is involved in trying to make that happen, you know, they could end up in the uh, up on Silkwood Drive, you know. Right, right. All right. So I want to ask you about uh, the government. The federal government is hiking fines for hotel quarantine visitors. So it was around, I think, twenty five hundred dollars. If you decided that you weren't going to subject yourself to the degradation and humiliation of checking into one of these uh, hotels uh, for three days where you're charged for a non-refundable amount while you wait for your your uh, covid test. Uh, And despite the fact that it's being challenged in federal court, uh, I think there's a pretty good case, you know, that it's against the Constitution to detain people in this way. Despite that, the federal government, not surprisingly, perhaps doubling down and raising the fines to five thousand dollars. What do you make of that? Well, it's kind of like a scene from The Great Escape. There'll be no escapes from this camp. There'll be no <laughs> escapes from this camp. Right. I mean, it's Stalag 19, the Canadian version. I mean, nothing good happening here, my friend. No, no. You know, and, you know, I guess the next time you get a chance to go and, you know, cast your ballot, make sure you remember these things. So if you had to travel abroad, let's say, I don't know, you had a a sick relative overseas and uh, on a mission of mercy, you flew out of the country to tend to that uh, individual. And then you came back and you had a choice. You could take a fine for 5000 which I suppose you could fight in, in court possibly win, uh, or you'd subject yourselves to three days in the quarantine hotel, what would you do? I wouldn't come back. If I got out of here on a mission of mercy, why would I come back? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. 
Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Really? Well, why would I come back? Give me a good reason. For more nonsense? I mean, I'm assuming I'm going to, like, the free state of Florida or the free state of Texas, right? Or right. some free country, you know, because, you know, I mean, once the borders open and Canadians can leave Canada, how many do you think are coming back? That's an excellent question. How many people, how many of us are secretly, not even so secretly, maybe even publicly, talking about it with friends and families, talking about an exit strategy? What are you hearing from your friends and acquaintances? Well, I mean, years ago, Richard, friends of mine that own businesses, and they were not happy then. I'm talking, you know, since the Dauphin de Montréal uh, took over in 2015, you know, they were, you know, they were complaining. I said, stop investing in Canada. Take your new capital that you're thinking of using to expand in Canada and open up in other jurisdictions. They did that. One of them set up camp in Florida and in the UK. So they got operating businesses in those two jurisdictions. He's down in Florida right now. He's not coming back. And when I spoke with uh, 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 Jocelyn Bamford from the uh, Association of Concerned Manufacturers, I said, stop trying to convince people to stay. Encourage them to leave and take their capital and their enterprise and leave as soon as possible because it's not getting better as long as you're here feeding it. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see once things finally open up how or before before if people have an exit strategy and uh, are, are, are going to flee this province. I, I think there's going to be a brain drain. Yeah. I, you know, if if you've got the kind of occupation that's in demand, uh, certainly it's an option that, you know, you should undertake. But most of the people I was speaking to, Richard, owned businesses in Canada. And I was just encouraging them, stop deploying new capital in a place where you're not happy already. I mean, we're talking, what, six years ago. Wow. All right. Well, on that happy note, you have a great weekend, Lou. I'm going to. That's it? That's all? Oh, look, I'm getting the hook. I'm getting the hook! <laughs> there he goes. Exit. Stage left. Heavens to Murgatroy. <laughs> All right. Lou Skeezus, happy capitalism. All right. When we come back, Kenny Shu, author of An Inconvenient Minority uh, and president and primary spokesman of a new initiative called Color Us United, Advocates for a Race Blind America. Amen to that. That conversation happens in three minutes. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Kenny Shu, author of An Inconvenient Minority and President and Primary Spokesman of Color Us United. Kenny, welcome back to the program. How are you? Thank you, Richard. I'm doing great. How did Color Us United come together, Kenny? Color Us United came together during the writing of my book, An Inconvenient Minority. I realized that the issues surrounding race 
and race blindness in America are far, are far more than just a few spots for college admissions. As you know, my book, An Inconvenient Minority, traces this battle at the, at the top elite centers like Harvard University. But many listeners and many Americans don't realize that the government and um, universities have been using race as a tool for the past, for forever, uh, before the Civil Rights Act and after the Civil Rights Act, the government has been putting in racial quota programs, racial contracting programs, um, elevating certain preferred minorities over others. Um, we say that we had civil right, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which, yes, banned discrimination in a, in a, in a legal sense, but the government has continued to push uh, affirmative action and racial preferences quotas um, in our system today, and now critical race theory, uh, an ideology that puts your entire identity on the basis of race, has now emerged as a dominant phenomenon in our public school system. And I realized that all of this is bigger than just me or just Harvard or anything like this. So I was recruited to start and be president of Color Us United, which we want to advocate for a race-blind society. So you're uh, sort of presenting this as an antidote to, to Black Lives Matter's, what you call a nihilistic racial messaging. Just talk to me about that a little bit. Black Lives Matter in 2020, when it came about, um, and of course, its main selling point was that, don't you believe that Black Lives Matter? Well, of course we believe that Black Lives Matter and everything like that. But uh, it's main. But once it, it got you in that sphere of thinking about life in terms of race, you realize that its racial messaging has become so uh, so warped in terms of its thinking. Um, it really it it it's designed to provoke fear in minority communities um, for their you know and. Uh, and I understand what's going on with regarding, you know, policing and everything like that. And we're dedicated, I think, to also community policing. Um, but Black Lives Matter's racial messaging is saying your race is entirely what matters in these situations. Um, even, even if you think about a typical police situation and everything like that, you see that so many other factors besides race, such as your aggressiveness, your stance, your posture, your, your history, your record, those things also matter. And, and we understand that race is just one way that people see you in the world today. Um, and so if we really want to progress as a society, as an American society towards a, a better ideal, then we have to reject the fundamental idea that race fundamentally defines you. And that's what Color Us United is all about. So what practical steps, practical actions are you and your organization going to take to try and achieve this colorblind America? We're fighting all legislation that discriminates on the basis of race. We're obviously tackling government preferences uh, in race discrimination, um, but also we're tackling the critical race theory ideology that's going on in our public school system. Uh, we want to live in an America where, you know, you won't, you will be able to recognize your neighbor you know, for your neighbor without having to be absorbed in these racial narratives. You know, the U.S. Census is another thing that we're tackling. They divide people, white, black, Hispanic, Asian. How 
reductive of categories is that um, most Hispanic, so-called Hispanic Americans don't even have their primary identity as Hispanic. The primary identity is their country of origin. Most Asian Americans, the same thing. The idea of the Asian American is you, you try to put together a Korean and an Indian. It doesn't work. Um, and so we want to get rid of the categorizations and we want to get rid of the discriminatory preferences that are in our laws and legal system today. Uh, and that's what I think signing up for Colorist United will help us to do. We want to get signatures and, and build our leverage in this movement and say, hey, Americans and people around the world really care about this issue. All right. More of my conversation with Kenny Shu, author of An Inconvenient Minority and uh, president primary spokesman of Color Us United. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show right after this. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Kenny Shu, journalist and author of An Inconvenient Minority and president and primary spokesperson of Color Us United. Tell us about, um, well, how do we find you online? And will there be newsletters? Uh, do people subscribe? How do they sign up? You can subscribe. We're never going to spam your email, um, but you can subscribe. And if you want to follow us, definitely follow our Twitter, our Facebook, um, Color Us United, C-U-U underscore org. Uh, you can also follow me at Kenny M. Shu and buy my book, An Inconvenient Minority, uh, which, of course, tells about all of the various ways that Asian Americans in particular uh, inconvenience the left's racial narrative today. And again, the website, colorusunited.org, C-O-L-O-R. That's the American spelling, colorusunited.org. Will you be, will your organization be endorsing political candidates? Will you be active in the political arena? We're not allowed, you know, it's, it's, it's under current partisan laws and everything like that. As a 501c3, you don't, you refrain from endorsing candidates per se, but we will be working on legislation for sure. All right. Now, let's talk about the you have uh, people on your team who are African-American. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk to me about the, the current divide in the black community, those that perhaps side with the organization, not the sentiment, but the organization Black Lives Matter, with, uh, as opposed to those who would, would like to see a colorblind America. So what we know is that 75 percent of black Americans place either high importance or very high importance on their racial identity. And this is, of course, the highest among all of the races. Asian Americans are about 50%, Hispanics are lower, and whites are at about 15%. So we know that black Americans very, place a very high, um, high identity formation in their racial identity, and often it traces back to childhood. Uh, a number of the black Americans that I've talked to understand this and know this. And a number of the black Americans that I talk to understand and know this, and they realize, hey, this is probably not the most healthy way for me to go about life. But with the specter of racial discrimination, um, that, that, is, that is part of the idea of race. There, there's a lot of pressure to go along with racial narratives today, including Black Lives Matter, with leaders that claim to speak for black Americans. But that's absurd, because no one organization, no one community can speak for every person of every single race. You are a unique individual with unique life experiences. And for people to stereotype you 
Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. On the basis of your race is wrong for people to group you and even say you can't do this because you are black or you can do this, you must do this because you are black or white or that matter is a way to exercise power and control over you. So this is something I deeply, deeply passionately care about with Colorists United to help people to realize, hey, your racial identity is not the only thing that defines you. All right. Again, it's colorusunited.org, the American spelling, C-O-L-O-R, colorusunited.org. And again, on Twitter, um, Kenny, how do they follow you? Follow us at C-U-U underscore org, Colorus United on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, you can watch our YouTube video at colorusunited.org. We, that explains um, our central proposition, which is that you are, you, you cannot be defined by categories that our leaders are trying to put on you. So that's colorusunited.org, and I would encourage your listeners to sign up. And uh, is there anything you'd like to say about Color Us United that I haven't asked you about? I would say, I would say that we are, you know, on the, we just announced our launch yesterday, or I just announced my affiliation with the launch yesterday, and we're already at 400,000 YouTube videos views we are at thousands of facebook followers and everything like that and we have a, a pretty stacked board as well so we really are dedicated for the long haul because we really think that america is closer than the ideologues would like you to think on making serious progress on race our my generation of young people is the most interracial generation the most mixed generation of any generation ever in America today. And so there's a lot of demographic structures that are making progress, but we have an ideology on the left that is holding us back. We have to stand against that and we have to stand for race blindness, Colorist United. Annie, thank you so much for your time and uh, the best of luck with your new uh, venture. Absolutely, thank you, Richard. Kenny Shu, author of An Inconvenient Minority. And again, Color Us United, colorusunited.org. Commemorating the 32nd anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre when we come back. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. As we commemorate the 36th, sorry, the 32nd anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre, which occurred on this day back in 1989, uh, the violent uh, suppression of a pro-democracy protest in uh, Beijing, 
which resulted in hundreds, perhaps thousands of deaths. We don't know. We'll, we'll never know, likely, the exact number. Thousands of people injured, of course, culminating in the, uh, the crackdown with machine guns and tanks. Uh, again, on this day, 1989, we've reached out to a, a spokesperson with an organization here in Canada called Alliance Canada HK. The HK, of course, stands for Hong Kong. And um, we're just using a first name, and you're about to find out why. Harry, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Harry. Thank you for joining us. So, first of all, so before we talk about what uh, about uh, the anniversary of Tiananmen Square, uh, just let people know a little bit about Alliance Canada HK, who who you are, and and what you're all about. Sure. So um, I'm calling in from the West Coast, and we are a nonpartisan national organization aimed at promoting, you know, the political causes of the Hong Kong diaspora within Canada. So, and um, that involves everything from uh, promoting political understanding of what's happening in China and what that means for Canada. And it also means advocating for the rights of um, the Hong Kong diaspora and people in Hong Kong and how, you know, that long standing connection between Hong Kong and Canada. We're here to represent a voice that badly needs to be heard. And, and how large is the Hong Kong diaspora in Canada? How many members of the Hong Kong community live in Canada? Wow, that is a hard question to answer. Um, since there have been many waves of immigration stretching back almost um, back to the Confederation, right? So there's people who went through Hong Kong as its first port. Um, there's people who have recently come back, you know, because of the protests, because of the instability. There was a huge wave of immigration starting from 97. So, you know, you could be talking about um, anywhere from... I would say up to a million. Um, this is really? a wow. Um, but I, I, of course, I, I have no clue, right? Because there's a long-standing, you know, people get lost in the census. People, of course, of don't course. want to talk about their, you know, their background. A, a sizable community, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and since Hong Kong was handed back to communist China, uh, how easy or difficult is it for residents of Hong Kong to to leave and come to Canada? Oh, so this has actually hit on to something that um, we're very interested in paying attention at, at ACHK because there is an exit ban in Hong Kong that's set to um, set to get, go in place around August. And what that means is that um, it's a common tactic that's used in China to prevent people from leaving, whether it's people that are dissidents or activists or just people that they dislike within China. That practice has now moved to Hong Kong. In the past, before, of course, before the pandemic, it was almost as simple as getting on a plane. You know, um, Hong Kong was a fairly free society before the protests. But unfortunately, with this new exit ban, um, everyone in Hong Kong, whether or not they are a Hong Kong citizen or even a Canadian citizen, are now at risk of being stuck there forever because of this exit ban that's set to happen in August. So it's, so, it's hard. 
uh, I'm not sure how old you are, Harry. You don't have to divulge that, but I'm I'm just curious about your your memories of the Tiananmen Square massacre, if you have any, or just generally what your thoughts are or your organization's thoughts are as we commemorate the massacre 30 sec- 32 years ago today. Yeah, so I'll just simply put, it was a turning point. So we, we may remember that, oh, um, on June 4th, on June 3rd, this happened in Tiananmen Square. But that was a culmination of millions of people in dozens of cities across China protesting for reform, for transparency, for democracy. So this is not something that just happened in a square with you know a couple hundred students. This was a national movement. And the massacre um, marked a turning point it represented the death of democratic hope for at least a generation and um, a new restrictions of freedoms within China. Um, it represented a turning point in my history and my family history as well. Um, it's quite interesting, but um, you know, at one point, parts of my family were very sympathetic to um, the Communist Party and. <laughs> You know, when even in such a limited news um, arena such as China, when that news trickled out, trickled out to Hong Kong, you know, that was the catalyst. That's why um, my family is now in Canada. That's why right now I am here in Canada and not in Hong Kong. But, you know, um, the massacre is something that, um, especially for Hong Kongers, we try to remember because... It represents a link between us Hong Kongers and those in mainland China. We share a common dream for, you know, for democracy, for accountability, for trust. It's all these, you know, ideals that we take often for granted in Canada. You know, obviously Canada has places to improve on that, but in Hong Kong, in China, that is rapidly diminishing to almost non-existent. So this is why we remember. Uh, Harry, just stay with us. We'll take a quick time out, come back and talk some more. I'd like to learn more about Alliance Canada HK. And also, uh, I think it's important for people to understand uh, how uh, Hong Kong, Hong Kongers living here in Canada, Chinese Canadians are being uh, surveilled, intimidated, even threatened by the communist Chinese regime. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show. Don't go away. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. We're back with Harry, no last name, from Alliance Canada HK, uh, which is Alliance Canada Hong Kong, representing the Hong Kong diaspora in Canada. Uh, Harry, let me ask you, why uh, why only one name? Uh, I'm not asking you to reveal your, your last name, but I, I think it's important for people to understand why you need to remain anonymous. Yeah. So as much as I would love to, you know, chat with you, last name, full name, you know, why not? Um, it is an unfortunate restriction for those engaging in activist work, in the work of remembering, in the work of resisting Chinese influence in Canada, um, a lot of folks at ACHK are working behind the scenes, such as myself, or mostly behind the scenes, um, in part because of Beijing's, you know, foreign meddling within China. It's something that they love talking 
uh, sorry, Beijing's foreign meddling within Canada. It's something that they love to talk about, foreign interference in Hong Kong. But, you know, oftentimes that's other cases much more serious. In other words, you're fearful of or concerned of retribution, even in Canada, from communist Chinese officials. Well, just to clarify, it is um, often just sectors and sections of society, Canadian society, that has been co-opted by the Chinese state. So, um, you know, of course, there is a worry where family back home or, you know, back in the ancestral lands of wherever, you know, they might get a call from the 40s. They might be detained, you know, um, and that's something that's happened um, with our Uyghur uh, compatriots, where people who speak up have their families disappear entirely for years. So that is a very um, real threat. But also within Canada, you can get harassment, you can get ominous phone calls. Um, you know, people go up to your face and start talking to you and start being intimidating. You know, um, I recall one dissident, I think his friend got punched on like in his, like visiting his cul-de-sac. It's, there's some crazy stories that I could tell you, but again, it's just, it happens here. So Harry, again, it's not necessarily uh, communist Chinese officials that have, you know, come into Canada, infiltrated uh, and are harassing or threatening you. They have co-opted segments of the Canadian Chinese community, perhaps. Is that the idea? Um. I wouldn't put it at just the Canadian Chinese community. I think, um, what's that? No, I think that a quote from um, one of the communist party's leaders, Deng Xiaoping, there's always useful idiots everywhere. Right. It could be anyone, right? Um, a small town mayor who thinks that um, you know, Chinese investment is coming into his city. Um, you know, bringing jobs and whatnot, but, you know, and they're like, oh, okay, we just, you know, want, you know, the outspoken voices to be a bit quieter. Um, we want, you know, to put this person in charge, this person in charge. So really just subtly influencing um, all sectors of um, Canadian society from academia, from business, from media. So just little things pushing it towards to becoming more sympathetic to Chinese narratives, you know, um, is not necessarily something that's very um, apparent to an outsider, but for someone like myself, it rings off all sorts of warning bells. I understand. In fact, we just had Sam Cooper on the program, I guess last week, the author of Willful Blindness, talking about the, the this very issue, the growing influence of the communist Chinese in Canada, in our institutions, it's, it's disturbing. And um, I think we need to, to pay a, a lot more attention to it. Now, I know at Alliance Canada HK, uh, you have a list of, of five demands, kind of a wish list that you would like uh, from our Canadian uh, from our Canadian government. Do you want to go walk us through those? Yeah, um, actually, okay. So it's I'm quite certain that these five demands have shifted um, just because. Um, the Chinese state does not rest and thinks of new and inventive ways to keep pushing and suppressing democracy. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things that have pushed back, a lot of things that we're advocating for. And 
Um, you know, for those who are interested in knowing more, always feel free to just check out our website and check out our reports that we've submitted to the House of Commons, to the Canadian Parliament. There's a lot of recommendations that we've put in. Um, right now, I think the main thing that we are looking for is resisting um, foreign influence, protecting Hong Kongers, both um, you know, Canadian Hong Kongers and Hong Kongers that are to be, you know, that will be Canadians in the near future. Um, and also just um, building up this sort of strong Chinese-Canadian community that is free from foreign interference. So that's something that's really important because um, you don't want, especially in this time of age where there's, there's lots of fear of what the Communist Party is doing, you don't want um, someone off the street to go like, Oh, he's Chinese. He's he's a Communist Party member, right? We want we want them to understand that everyone everyone can be a Chinese operative, but everyone can also fight back against that sort of influence. All right, uh, Harry, we uh, we're out of time. I hope we can speak again. Let me just give people the uh, the website Alliance Canada. HK.com, Alliance Canada HK, as in Hong Kong.com, Alliance Canada HK.com. Uh, Harry, thank you so much for your time and be, uh, be oh, safe and be you well. Very much. You too. All right. And now, your Lim Riddler answer and this week's winners. All right. So, the answer to Lim, the, today's Lim Riddle, let me give you the clues again uh, first. Uh, the Romans were first to inhabit the street where Sweeney Todd's pies sourced their sumptuous meat. King Philip had a forbidding armada. Brave Laura Secord was fast on her feet. And the answer to today's limb riddle is fleet. Fleet. And uh, the week's uh, winners are Amy Lou Hugh from Toronto. Steve Rosen from Toronto, Joe Nemet from Ridgeway, Ontario, Rob McDonald from Gravenhurst, Ontario, and Astrid Lackets or Lacats from Milton, Ontario. And then a special mention to Duncan Ruxton. Duncan Ruxton of Thunder Bay was first to identify the five nations in the clues. If you'll recall, this was kind of a two-parter. Uh, there were five nations that are uh, sort of referenced in these clues. And of course, ancient Rome, uh, England or Britain, uh, Spain, of course, the Armada was from Spain. It was part of the Spanish fleet. England and the, ne and the Netherlands, actually, uh, the Armada was defending the Netherlands because ne Netherlands, the Netherlands were, was under Spanish control. So there you go. And Britain and Canada, the United States, of course, because uh, Laura Secord, the War of 1812. There you go the five nations mentioned or alluded to and uh, be sure to listen next Friday just before the news at five when I'm joined by the Lim Riddler once again for next week's Lim Riddle clues register at limriddles.com and the uh, clues will be delivered right to your inbox limriddles.com and you can give your answers send your answers to info at limriddles.com info at limriddles.com and uh, good luck next week all right that's it for me thanks to jody and brandon back monday with a brand new show the irascible and lovable lou the german phrase of the day news not in the news dr patrick phillips 
small town family and ER physician, physician and lover of freedom of Vaccine Canada uh, will be here, who says getting the jab is not a decision a teenager should make on their own. That's all part of Monday's program. The, the uh, Brian Crombie Hour is next. I'll see you Monday at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.